Hello, everybody. Welcome to Take Two. Glad you guys can join us. Jason is here with us live, and as that is the case, I want to throw out to you again, if you guys would like to come down, there is room here. Um, I think we have about 20 seats available here, and we're not going to fill those up probably on a Wednesday night, but uh, you're welcome to come here and be spaced out, and again, uh, join us as we start kind of stepping into some more time and community together, and we hope that you will uh, take the initiative and join us when you can. Again, we're meeting here Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., uh, so we're outside live, and then again, we have the seats here inside as well. Um, right now, the weather's been nice, so it hasn't been too bad come July, August. I don't know how outside's going to fare. We'll see what we do then. Maybe, I don't know talk about it more later. Um, also, I mentioned Sunday uh, that we are going to have an all-church, uh, all I guess, Zoom meeting, and I said July 11th, and it's actually June 11th. And so it's Friday, June 11th on Zoom at 7 p.m. We are going to get a link out to you guys uh, soon to let you know, and we'll keep reminding you about it, and we're going to probably send texts to everybody who we know to inundate you with that invitation because we want to see your face again on Zoom, let you know some things that are going on, and hear from you, even get some input from you who are going through a uh, pandemic and haven't had the chance to voice maybe to us here at Genesis all the things that are going on. Of course, we always welcome those things. If you ever want to email, most of you have my phone number. You can always call me. I am available uh, to talk about any things that you're concerned with or uh, would like to see take place. So that's an invitation. June 11th, 7 p.m. on Zoom. Hope to see you there. But right now, we are here. And we are talking about basically what it means to discern those things that we encounter with God. And just for a quick review, I mean, on the board, I've kind of been talking for a while, just this transformation. We've talked about detecting when God is ministering to us through what we called Kairos, uh, opportune moments of time that we want to lean into, dig into, try and discover what is happening, what is the story that we need to hear, and how do we need to respond to it. And then we're also now looking at discerning. When we find out something, we need to discern what this is telling us. And many times what we find is as we start looking in these things, there's a, a story we tell ourselves or bad news and the bad news is things that question God's love for us or us living in the love of God. And we, well, I've been talking about those things. The first one was security. The second one that I did past Sunday was on belonging. And then the third one that we'll do next Sunday is going to be on significance. But on belonging, the lie that we tell ourselves is that we are what people think we are. And we allow what people think to shape who we are in unhealthy ways. Of course, it can always be in healthy ways. People give us good advice, counsel. That can be a good thing. But many times the unhealthy thing is we're trying to please someone because we think we're insufficient. So that's kind of the backdrop. And, and I'm going to kind of throw it to you, Randy, and 
get your thoughts or questions or how you'd like to kind of come into this. All right. Well, I think, you know, first of all, talking about the series one more time. So we've kind of gone from a very high level mm-hmm. overview of the, the four squares, right? The four yeah. quadrants and, and, uh, we've been kind of deep diving. So I, I keep picturing this like ex- excavation happening where there's this, there's this, you know, machine that's like boring itself down into my soul. <laughs> and every time I get there, I'm like, Oh, I have to deal with this now. And I have to deal with that. They come to face to face with these things. Um, but, but these are real, you know, security and, um, belonging, I'm sure significance. Those are, those are, uh, really big things in in my mind, in my world, because they're not necessarily bad things. It's the way that we're, uh, it's the, it's the way that we can, we condition ourselves to think through them that typically lends them to not be helpful in our relationships. And so with this one, I was thinking about this idea. So I, uh, Brendan Manning is uh, an author that, uh, that I have kind affections for. And he, and he wrote one time, I can't remember what book it was in though, but he was talking about when he was eight. He said, when I was eight years old, um, I'm going to butcher the story a little bit, but I'll get the point across. <laughs> when I was eight, eight years old, I did something in front of my peers that uh, embarrassed me. And, uh, you know, people laughed and whatever. He said, my eight-year-old self said within me, that's the last time you're going to be real. Mm-hmm. He said, because, because these people don't like you when you're real. Mm-hmm. And so he said, I learned at eight years old to develop a self that people would admire. Mm-hmm. And that's the one I always put forward. Mm-hmm. And now as he was writing this in his 60s and was like, still struggling through it yeah. because that's real. That's, yeah. that's the Facebook world. That's why I was talking about that idea that we always put forward the good things that we want people to see, but we don't talk about the, you know, the laundry yeah. or, or the debt or whatever it might be that, uh, we don't want people to see. Yeah. No. And that's such a good point that it's, it's not always bad, right? Security, belonging. These are natural things that we desire the the problem is when they come out of place and then they almost in a sense becomes idols mm, right yeah. where I, I need this to feel secure and i need people's approval to feel secure yeah. that's now become an idol because you're catering to what these people think instead of being genuine who god made you and not realizing you know that god cares and kind of accepts you as that you know i shared that story when i was little and trying to impress the next door neighbor girl, you know, same thing. It's like, I want approval. I want to be noticed. And then it doesn't go well. You know, it ends up you falling out of the tree or me falling out of the tree and, you know, crying in front of the neighbor girl instead of being a hero or whatever I thought I was going to be at seven years old. Uh, But those are the kinds of things that do start to shape how we are going to conduct ourselves. I'm going to make sure I don't fall. I'm going to make sure I don't look bad. I'm going to make sure I don't say anything that might come across as, you know, an opportunity for someone to make, take shots at me, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so we can play it safe. And this is for people, all ages, all occupations, right? It happens to pastors. It happens to people in school. It's something that we all have to contend with, um, this wanting to please, And I I think I want to lean in a little bit more when 
you said these aren't always bad. Um, what ways is it, does it come across to you as good, you know, to lean into what people think about us and belonging? Can you think of maybe a scenario where it would be a good thing? It's a, yeah. I mean, certainly, like you said, it's, it's innate in us to want to belong to something bigger than what we are. Mm -hmm. Right. That's not bad. <clears throat> in fact, that's what we see in scriptures when we talk about, you know, father, son and spirit, right? Mm -hmm. They're, these belong. Yeah. <laughs> they belong yeah. where they're at or, or beyond that, you know, uh, us in community with one another. That's those, those are good belongings, right? Mm -hmm. Those are good things. Um, uh, the Psalms say that God places the lonely in families. Hmm. That's hmm. powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in, in those bigger ways, I think, you know, when you're not trying to maybe earn or, uh, or finagle your way into being accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it's a natural acceptance. Yeah. And I think almost just as you're saying that, I think there's a difference between wanting to be accepted and needing approval. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there could be a, an important difference there where I want to belong to a family. I want to belong to a community. I want people to accept me that that's natural, but needing approval from others to feel accepted is where it starts to go awry. Yeah. Right? Where maybe that's where the idolatry kind of aspect of it comes in. Where now I'm manipulating this because I need this to feel secure. So I'm going to change the situation so I can get the security I need and belonging in a way that isn't healthy. You know, because now I'm needing something and I'm conforming to what I need to get that for myself mm. to give that sense of belonging. Yeah. I mean, you said on Sunday morning, uh, I'm paraphrasing you, <laughs> but, but you said that Jesus, you know, he, 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 he loved the people that were supporting mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. but he didn't feel the need to earn or to, to, you know, grapple with their uh, approval or acceptance Yeah, in because fact, he already knew he had it. Right? Yeah. In fact, sometimes he said, get thee behind me scene, right? right? I mean, to Peter, it's like, no, that's not who I am. That's not who you're going to make me. That's not my purpose. And so he knew where he knew who he was. So he knew when someone was trying to make him fit their agenda instead of his call, mm -hmm. we'll call it. Um, then he was able to stop it, you know, and those times where he told his disciples, don't tell anyone, you know, tell the people he heals. Don't tell anybody what I did. Yeah. How do you not? You know, and so. The whole point is he didn't he didn't need people's approval. And when they wanted to make him king, he rejected it because he knew it was in people. He knew human nature. And so he wasn't going to allow their agenda to be put on him. Right. And, and I wonder how many times we let other people's agendas be put on us. You know, um, I mean, I can think of ways even in churches, you know. Yeah. Um, where I'm so wanting to please people that it shapes what I'm going to say. Right. And I don't want to offend anyone. And, and I don't want to say things just to be offensive. Right. I want to be wise. But sometimes a person can be so guarded because 
of what can be, you know, construed in a negative way or cause pushback. And if it's, you know, uh, a smaller group or something, or if you feel like your, um, you know, livelihood is connected to it, all those things can now change how honest you are. Or if you start catering to what other people want instead yeah. of the well, things that you feel. Yeah. It's, you start politicking, right? Yeah. You start going, well, I'm, I'm, I need to, I need to make these people happy. So I can't go out. I can't speak the truth necessarily. Mm -hmm. I, I'll, I'll just speak this much of the truth yeah. to keep everybody placid. And, yeah. And okay. It's so funny. Cause I remember hearing pastors say that, but it was always in a different context. It was always in a way that almost, I don't know. They'd say, oh, you got to tell people the good news or you got to tell people the gospel, which is basically you're going to hell if you don't accept Jesus. Um, and they were speaking to the choir. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're telling our team what the team already believes and saying, oh, that's that's what I'm not going to compromise is what we already believe. The problem comes when you start swaying from that belief and causing, you know, pushback to what people are holding in general. That's when you really know what if you're doing that or not. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's a little bit more nuanced in that way. But approval is kind of an important thing, you know, to humanity. And recognizing our desire for it can be uh, problematic. You know, I share some things that throughout Scripture we see examples of wanting approval. You know, I mentioned the Tower of Babel. They're going to make their name great choosing Saul to be king because he looked good and all the other nations had king. Uh, Peter leaving the Gentile table and sitting with the Jews because he didn't want them to think bad of him. You know, it was kind yeah. of offset. All those are examples in, in scripture of how we allow the, the influences to shape us in maybe unhealthy ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, that, and you know, just bringing that, I guess, to our day and age, people all the time or uh, I'll, I'll speak from my experience and then maybe maybe you had similar experiences but uh, the urge to act a certain way around certain people um, or I've seen people completely like shapeshift their personality because mm -hmm. somebody else walked in the room and mm -hmm. and this is the person that I want to impress right yeah um, business situations or even in families. I've seen it happen in families too. So yeah, those, that need, that need for approval drives us in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. And, um, it can even, you know, it can make you do ugly things. Yeah. You know, I start with the temptation of Jesus, you know, mm -hmm. where you throw yourself off the temple, the angels will take charge of you and keep you from, you know, dashing your foot against the stone. Uh, and then Jesus's response is, you will not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the last part of that scripture that he doesn't say is, you, as you did in uh, Mass, Massah, I think it was. Um, the whole point there is they were grumbling about water and not having what they needed. And that idea of, fear of not being enough. So I am going to complain about it or 
take it into my own hands, right? It's I'm not going to put the Lord God to the test to get something mm -hmm. because I feel that he is not taking care of what I really need, right? And I think that cuts to the heart of this idea of belonging and how if you are loved, if you are beloved, if you are, uh, if you feel like you're enough, then you don't have to pretend and you don't have to be afraid that you aren't going to have enough because you already do. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was a uh, youth pastor, again, going back to those days, um, there would be, you know, you, you do like a youth retreat. You maybe do a few a year or whatever. And Saturday night was always the huge, like someone's going to do an altar call mm -hmm. and it's going to be a huge emotional night. There's going to be an awesome worship band <laughs> and all this stuff is going to happen. And, uh, I started recognizing pretty, pretty early on that the same kids would always be coming forward to the altar calls. And, uh, I, again, I grew up Catholic, so I never, I don't think I ever went to an altar call. It was, this was just a, a thing that, you know, mm -hmm. this church did. <laughs> and so this is what, this is part of the plan. Um, but I remember, uh, you know, uh, thinking like, man, this is, this is the, this insecurity of being 14 or 15 and, and thinking that you messed up and now God doesn't love you. And so you've got to do this whole thing all over. You're starting all over again. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this goes on into adulthood because yeah. if you don't know that you are beloved, yeah. if you don't know your, who you are, you know, in Christ, if you don't know, if you don't know the identity, then these things are going to always plague you. Yeah. And even if you do know who you are, like, yeah, you still, <laughs> in fact, that's the problem. Like I do know who I am. Yeah. And so I feel insufficient. And so therefore, because of the world we live in, it comes across as, okay, I got to make it up somehow. Right. Yeah. Now that, that's heavy. I mean, just that realization of, I've been there. I don't know how many altar calls I made. Um, a few, I think. I think after a while, I was just like, I can't go up again because I've already gone up. They you see know? me. Yeah, they see me. They know my name. <laughs> You're a professional um, altar call. Yeah. <laughs> but that someone would feel that they have blown it with God and they, they're no longer accepted. Gosh, why would they feel that? You know what I mean? That that seems like that's if that's the job of anyone, it's the job of the pastor. It's the job of, you know, someone who's taking care of them mm -hmm. is to let them know that you are never in that place. Right. And yeah, they might need reminding. I know I do, but that would be it. And, and I guess, you know, I think what happens with this whole altar call, uh, you know, life that we live in now or this, you know, Sinner's altar prayer. call. Yeah, this Christianity that hasn't been around very long, really, um, is at some point the person who goes and answers the altar call looks back and sees their life maybe going in the same direction or being aware of problems that they're having, uh, being aware that they need to make changes because things aren't good. And it starts dawning on them, you know, going forward and repeating a prayer after me is not enough to change a life. And it's not, if it's not enough to change a life, it's probably not enough to 
be forgiven. In other words, that's not what's necessary to bring the change. Something else must need to take place because this ain't working. There becomes a, an awareness to the reality of what you're doing, not having an effect. I, I remember I was driving a guy, he was homeless because of drugs and he had been struggling and needing help again. And we were helping him again. And I remember telling him, you know, you, you've got to accept Jesus. And he says, I did. Why am I still here? And I was like, I don't know how to answer that one. Right. It's like, well, you gotta, you know, it's almost like you gotta believe more, you know, you just gotta have real faith, those kinds of things. And then it's like, no, the guy needed all kinds of help, right? He needed to get in rehab. He needed a support system. He needed a lot of things. But this idea of you just got to say a prayer, it, it didn't work for him. Well, yeah. I mean, that's I've, I've had the same exact experience in my life. And then also not knowing what to say, but all those things that you're talking about, like, yeah, what he needed was more help, right? Yeah. He needed professional help. He needed, uh, you know, structural help, like how to put my life back together, all, all those yeah. things. And that's probably why God put you in his life or put me in my guy's yeah. life, right? Because it was like, no, you're not just supposed to tell him about me. You're supposed to. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's this whole shalom piece, this whole healing and helpful, you know, like being, being a good neighbor thing, like yeah. where you actually put the guy on the donkey and take him to the end. Those are things that those, that's where, that's where we fall short because we just yeah. think it's this little message. These, these, yeah. this little, you know, prayer or whatever it is. And that's enough. And, and, and I think that goes back to the heart. What does it mean to belong, right? Yeah. We have such shallow, you know, <clears throat> I guess, interpretations of it now because it's like, how many likes do I have? Oh, I belong. Uh, you know, and that, no, that's not belonging. You know, mm -hmm. that that's not connection. That's not you being able to be with someone in real life. I mean, I think about, you know, Peter's denial of Jesus um, and we'll probably talk about this later on. Uh, but when Jesus appears to him on the shore and tells them to cast the net on the other side of the boat, and then they can't bring in all the fish, the boat is sinking. And then John says, it's the Lord. Peter dives in, comes up. When Peter gets there, the restoration isn't Peter, repent, say a prayer. The The restoration isn't you know, do you see what you've done? Do you believe now? The restoration was he ate with him. In other words, you're still at my table, which means you're still family. Mm. And there was the dialogue. He says, do you love me? And then he says, you know, feed my sheep. Restoration looks totally different there than what I've been taught it looks like. For me, restoration is you, you do these things, you make these steps, you know, you, you make sure that that person is done with whatever that sin is that they did and that they're, you know, now going to toe the line and you make sure that they understand the right, the wrong. And Jesus sits and eats with them. Hmm. And, and I think that's what you said, you know, the idea of, you know, connection, the idea of I'm going to be here with you. I, I'm going to be a part of this with you. That's restoration. Right. And that's belonging. Yeah. Right. It wasn't, here's what the wrong thing you did was Peter, you know, here's how to not do that again. It is let's, let's eat. It's, it's a beautiful story because he, cause he asked the question three times. Right. Yeah. And it wasn't like, here's your penance, yeah. but it was like, he kind of tied it to it. 
Yeah. Without putting it in his face. Yeah. And, and the way he did it, too. I mean, just I know we've shared this before, just the words that are used. You know, when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? He uses the word agape. You know, are you given to me completely? And Peter responds, Lord, you know, I love you. And he uses the word phileo. Yeah. Right. And so Jesus says again, Peter, do you agape me? And he says, Lord, I phileo you. And the last time Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? And it just breaks his heart. He goes, Lord, you know all things. Right. You know, that's that's who I am. And it's enough. Right. Jesus doesn't say, no, you need to agape me, Peter. Say it. Right. <laughs> say, say the word. Say the word. Yeah. He just says, OK. Then this is what I have for you to do. He meets him where he is. He belongs where he is. You know, he doesn't have to become something to belong. He doesn't have to say another prayer. He doesn't have to accept Jesus again. He just eats with them and continues with him as if nothing happened. You know, as if there was no sever in the relationship, as if, you know, I mean, he talks to Peter about it in that way, but it isn't like, okay, now we can get back to it. It's almost like, Peter, I never stopped loving you. You mm -hmm. never stopped belonging to me. Yeah. It never changed. You know, just continue doing what you're supposed to do. And what a change that would be if we had that sense of belonging, you know, in our lives, if we taught the youth. Instead of, hey, you need to make an altar call. Oh, boy, they're ha we're having a band come to church. Oh, man, I hope our kids go because I need them to accept the Lord again. Right. right? You know, <laughs> it's like, no, maybe we just need to tell them that they're loved already. You know, even where they're at. You know, even if they don't agape, they just phileo. It's like, okay, still. Can work part, with that. <laughs> yeah. We can still be part of this family. Absolutely. You know. Um, I went through a series of ways that the temptation of belonging might be at work in us. I kind of named a few things. Um, like when I'm trying to impress others, how do I? Is it with my intellect, my humor, mm -hmm. being nice, my fashion, my athletic abilities, my talents? If I am trying to impress them in one of these ways, it might be because I'm trying to belong. In other words, I, I don't feel I belong. I'm manipulating the situation to make myself feel belonging. Um, I said the need to set the record straight on a misunderstanding about my actions or character. If I think someone said something and they might misconstrue it and think bad of me, and I feel like I need to make sure you don't think bad of me, why am I so worried? All right? It might be. Now, these things might not be. You know, they, they might be legitimate that you should do these things, but these are just ways that this temptation of belonging might be taking place. Um, I don't know if there were any of those I can go through them, or do you remember any of those, or did anything stand out to you when I went through those? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, are you asking me which ones I eat? <laughs> I, can, I can list those up. But yeah, no, I think that, I mean, that, that all made a lot of sense to me because I know that, uh, again, in certain situations in my life, maybe they're business-wise or, uh, you know, in my, in my marriage even, right? Mm -hmm. Like in, in different ways with my family or with my in-laws, uh, there's different ways in which, you know, uh, for, <laughs> for the longest time, Brie was like, why are you so quiet around my, my mom? And I was like, I'm, I'm not, but I, but I feel like I'm a pretty quiet person all the time. Uh -huh. But when I'm with Bree and it's just us, I'm not quiet. 
So she noticed that change in me, right? And mm-hmm. so I had to think about that. Why am I doing that? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's this, you know, maybe I just don't want to say the wrong thing or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I see my son doing it. My, my son, um, who might be watching. No, he's not. <laughs> uh, my son, uh, who's, you know, going into eighth grade, I've watched his whole fashion sense change this year. Uh-huh. Uh, the music he listens to has changed this year. Like, all that stuff is like, okay, so he's, he's you know, he's got his buddies and this is what they're about and he wants to yeah. fit in. And that's, you know, this is adolescence and this is what you go through and you, you figure things out. But I don't want him to lose himself in that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's a hard age. Um, yeah. Because we all get a little lost, especially in middle school. Yeah. Um, I think. I was lost all the way through. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's some hard times right there. I, I think some of those areas still continue. You know, you say yes to everyone, mm. even when you shouldn't. You know, that happens with me, with my family. You know, I want to say yes because I want to, you know, meet the needs of these people so that I can be considered, you know, a good pastor or something like that when I really should say no because I have uh, obligation, some other areas. Things like that can happen, um, you know, where we have to just kind of look at that, I think, a little bit. I have to look at that a little bit more carefully and, and see why am I feeling the need to say yes? You know, why do I feel I have to uh, get approval in that way. Um, or the fear of missing out was another big one. Mm-hmm. I think that happens a lot with kids, especially kids in church um, who can't do things. And all of a sudden it's like my friends are doing everything fun, you know, because they come back to school on Monday and, oh, man, that was so great. And everything's better than it really was. But they don't know that to them. It's just like I'm missing out on life because, you know, I had to go to the youth group, you know, lock in. <laughs> I mean, and some of those things are fun. Kids have a lot of fun at those things too, but you know, there could be this fear of missing out on life. And I think those kinds of fears and those kinds of pressures are a challenge to our temptation of wanting to do things to belong in some way. And it definitely happens obvious ways. I think looking back at middle school, but still as adults, I think those things show up. Yeah. In different, different ways, maybe, or more subtle ways. I mean, I have, you know, between my two sons, Judah never, (laughs) never cared about what other people thought about him. He was always his own self. He's a horrible liar. (laughs) <laughs> all those things I never had to worry about. Yeah. Le- Levi's a lot like I was when I was in eighth grade. You know what I mean? So yeah. now I'm like, Oh, great. <laughs> Here it goes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but how, what a great gift you have to be able to see those things and help to convey that. I, I think those are areas where this is, these are the things that we need to teach, right? These are the important things to try and convey mm-hmm. um, that you're enough. I mean, I went to my nephew's graduation last night and, you know, 2020 was just an awful year to go through school, um, what school they went through and to graduate from, you know, that to this year, um, 
there was a lot of dark times in his life through that period, a lot of struggles. And, you know, for part of that time, he was really having a, a hard time, like most of the kids, to make make it to show up and just be present there. Um, and the, I mean, we had the family, we had dinner, uh, went to Lazy Dog and, you know, kind of celebrated. And I think everyone was just kind of reiterating to him, we love you. We were always here for you. You know, we've got your back. And, and that's really the message we want to send to him is you're enough, buddy. Yeah. You know, you, you have no idea how much you're loved and whatever hell this last year was to you, it makes no difference to us how much we love you. You know, it doesn't affect that at all. And you could have failed and we would still be here in your corner. Yeah. You know, um, in fact, his mom even said something like that. It doesn't matter. You we're here for you. Right? Yeah. And I just thought that was such a beautiful thing to hear everyone just saying over and over again. And I think that's the thing that we should be sharing with our youth, with, you know, the people who are part of our community is you're enough. You, you don't have to, to do anything to be more to God. You don't. You, you don't have to say a prayer to be accepted. You're already accepted. Saying a prayer is a good thing. It, it, it connects you to what the need is in your life, but it doesn't make you any better. Yeah. It doesn't make you any more loved or less loved. It, it doesn't change how God sees you. And if you say a prayer and then go out and do something foolish and destructive and something that's bad for you, God doesn't change his love for you. Yeah. Just doesn't. I think it's important that people know that because that, that it's almost like the belonging, if it's there, it will stop the, maybe not stop it, but it may help not feel the need to find it in so many harmful ways. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about like the, the graduation thing sticks with me because yeah, we celebrated you to my son this weekend. He graduated, you know, what I thought was going to be that by the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Right. Like I was like, I was like, is this going to happen? Like the yeah. week before, is this going to, are you going to do this? Or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like in his room, I was in his face. I was like, I was sitting in his room to make sure he was going to do it. Right. And I'm just thinking the whole time, I wonder, you know, what message am I presenting <laughs> here? Because when he did do it, he got the best report card of his high school career. Oh, wow. And, <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then we had the celebration where we were like, oh man, you know, we're so proud. Yeah. But I was wondering, like, you know, when you were talking, like, I wonder what he was thinking while I was shouting at him and yeah. like, you know, wringing his neck and not really, but you know, <laughs> like those, that, like yeah. that struggle, I don't think he felt like I was proud of him then. Yeah. But I am, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's gotta be some kind of like, it can't all just be like, yeah, everything's fine. Every, yeah. It can't be cake every day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, the, the reality of life has to be there and you have to journey with it. I, I think there that difference though, again, kind of dealing with the shame aspect, right? Of, you know, your shaming usually doesn't produce healthy responses. Um, I, I'm not sure. I think still sometimes it might be good to feel shame if you've done something that's shameful, but it doesn't mean you're 
someone who has to live there. You know, yeah. it, it's it it should be something that awakens our senses to more that we can be more, um, but it, it doesn't identify who we are. You know, and so yeah. if I do something bad, I did something bad, and I might feel ashamed of it. It does not mean I'm bad. It means I did something bad, and I'm still loved. Yeah, and I, I feel like that was that's the point I took from the video that you showed on Sunday yeah. too, where where it's like, yeah, you can you can live in that, but that's not where the good stuff is, right? Yeah. Like that's not where you're going to connect with God or with other people or your you know that that sense of belonging that's yeah. the right belonging. Because when you're living in, in in shame, and like she said, she was in, in ministry, right? Mm -hmm. And everything like on the surface looked like, yeah. hey, I'm doing I'm doing a great job, but her personal life was falling apart, probably because she wasn't paying much. You know, we've yeah. all been there. <laughs> yeah. Well, ministry's fine, but yeah, my life is going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. You know, all of this is striking at something. I know for a lot of people who might be hearing this, or come in and tune into this who grew up in a fundamental Christian world. Um, the idea that you're enough, the idea that you're good strikes at the heart of this, um, I don't know what we call it, total depravity. Um, uh, you know, that, um, your righteousness is filthy rags. Um, that there's nothing good, not one thing, you know, there's none good. This idea that man is just not even worth God's thought, um, but God loved you. And so, you know, he, he sent Jesus anyway. Um, it, it could strike at the heart of that. Um, let, why don't we lean into that just for fun? Because <laughs> I think that's important. I think that's an important part of this conversation uh, of belonging. Um how does maybe, I mean, I don't want you, I could throw it on your, hey, Randy, answer this. Um, <laughs> I mean, but how does that strike you in those things that maybe you've heard like so, that? Yeah, I'll answer that. I don't know if we'll agree on this or not, but okay. that'll make it more interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think of like Psalm 8, right? Like David going like, who am I that you would even think of me? Yeah. And I think that, like, I, I identify with that. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, in, in the context of what he's writing about the, you know, the glory of creation, right? Yeah. And looking at it all and going like, man, in, in me too. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he did all this in me too. Like there's beauty in that. And, and not going like, you know, like, well, you made all this for me. And like, you know what I mean? There's two mm -hmm. sides of that. Yeah. And so uh, there's humility in it. And there is the idea that... Um, you know that that God is uh, it, it gives it gives God this opportunity to go yes you, mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah yes and you of course yeah rather than us assuming that I don't know mm -hmm. if that makes any sense no I think it does and I think you know the humility and I think even Jesus he saw the people as uh, harassed and helpless mm -hmm. sheep without a shepherd. Um, I don't think there's any denying that there is something broken in us that needs to be fixed. But there's a difference between seeing something that's broken or seeing someone who's sick and wanting to heal them than someone who's terrible and 
needing to do something so that you can tolerate them. Yeah. Right. And, and that's where I think the difference lies. Yeah. You know, um, Paul uses the illustration of circumcision, you know, which is a medical procedure, you know, circumcision of our hearts where we, we need this or the transplanting, you know, uh, giving us a heart of flesh from a heart of stone. These are surgical metaphors to help us understand that there's something sick in us. There's a cancer that God needs to heal. And the reason God needs to heal it is because God loves us, right? It's not that we won't be accepted as we are, because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's just that if we don't get this, it's going to kill us, right? And it'll destroy our lives, and God doesn't want that. So he wants the surgery for us to bring the healing to us, to bring restoration for us. Um, That's kind of how I see it. So there's never, uh, God can't look at you because his eyes are too holy to behold sin. You know, I I know there's passages, you know, that talk about that, but I I believe they're contextual to what God is talking about in the areas of Israel and not to humanity in general, because we see Jesus saying different words. You know, we we see him saying, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth, you know. Uh, the sheep who's lost and leaving the 99, the coin and finding it, the prodigal son. These are all illustrations to, to give us an insight into how God feels, right? Just in, just in you know, real life terms, the thing, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm trying to phrase this correctly, but when, when I maybe was in a fundamentalist mindset, mm-hmm. uh, I'd go to work and I'd share an office with a guy I, I've, I've talked about him a million times because he's still a friend of mine mm-hmm. and uh, he's an atheist. But he was not just an atheist. He was like, I'm going to change your mind kind of atheist. Uh-huh. Right? And he knew <laughs> that I was fundamentalist. So we had this weird dynamic where we mm-hmm. were, it was like, this is my buddy. We're going to argue about this for a half hour and then we're going to go have lunch together. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, we're not like that anymore <laughs> because things have changed, I think, for both of us. You yeah. know what I mean? Like whatever you call it. But just that idea that like I would have this, you know, you know, all men are evil. There's nothing good yeah. apart from Christ. And then I'd, I'd see Jeb and his fam- Jeb and his family, mm-hmm. and what a good daddy is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And what a good husband he was, and, and what a good friend he was, and um, or like the story I told you on Sunday about the Indian lady. Like yeah. those experiences in my life where I was like, well, how can I say that these people are yeah, not accepted or, or, or evil, you know what I mean? Or just yeah. nothing good in them because I see the good in them. Yeah. And again, that's where we can change the narrative, you know, or we change how we see things. Well, it's there. There's pride. That's what's they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they're doing it. Right. They, they seem like good people to me. And I was in the same situation where there's people in my family, uh, you know, my cousin, Karen, uh, she married an incredible man named Jeff who passed away. And um, he's the kind of guy who put most pastors I know to shame in how much he cared for people and did for people. But he he wasn't a Christian. Um, but boy, he sure was a good person. Hmm. You know, I, I don't know that I know really a better person. 
in so many ways. And so those are the kinds of things that, you know, of course he was accepted. Of course he was loved. Of course he belonged. You know, I'm sure there's still broken things in his life. You know, we're all broken in some degree. I mean, but those those aren't the things that stop God from loving, stop God from caring, stop God from reaching out. I believe that all those things that he did, um, those were evidences of God working in his life. Yeah. You know, God was close to him. You could tell by who he was, you know. Uh, it just looks a lot different than maybe I've been told or how I've been kind of led to believe, no, you have to say this prayer, you you get into the club and now you're okay. Uh, instead of, you no, know, God's looking at you saying, hey, I want you in my club right now like you are. You, you don't have to change. I'll take you as you are and then we can start from there. And then that continued work, you know, continuing work that, you know, uh, sanctification, you know, the theological word takes place, starts to take place where God starts molding, shaping, changing, uh, doing works and making us more aware. And I do believe that, you know, Christ is the key to our understanding the work and how it takes place. And so having an awareness of those things in us helps us to maybe allow that to process a little bit more. Um, but then again, I see people who have Christ who aren't changing, you know, mm -hmm. who aren't growing, who know the Bible, who are in the words works life, but never get to the wants part of their life, never get to those deeper heart issues. Um, so there's just a, a lot of things there. And I think the idea of belonging cuts through those things where we have to start with the fact that you're loved. We have to start with the fact that you belong have to start with the fact that this is how God sees you. And then let's go from there. Yeah. You know, because that can change everything. You know, that could keep you from wanting to take your life. That could keep you from thinking, you know, I, I can't get along with people or people won't accept me because I, you know, drink too much. I'm gay. I do these things, whatever it is. If a person knows, no, right now, right where you're at, you are loved, you belong. Let, let's start here. All right. And that way, let God do whatever work needs to be done. And that that's something you and God can kind of work out um, like I'm having to work it out. Yeah. You know? Do you see that uh, uh, as your job as a pastor? Or do you see that as the job of every Christian? Which part? The, I guess, let me back up a minute. Introducing somebody to Jesus. Mm -hmm. and like, you know what I mean? Connecting yeah. them to, and, and, and that idea of belonging. Yeah. I definitely feel that's my desire as a pastor is to lead people to have a conversation with God and then let God take that conversation yeah. from there. You know, I have no desire to manipulate the conversation that person has with God. Um, because I don't know where that person is and what conversation needs to be had, you know? And there are definitely conversations that need to be had. And there's some conversations that I'll recommend a counselor to because that's not my, you know, field. And maybe there's issues going on in your life you need to reckon with that have shaped you to where you're at. Um, my job is just to get you to the table and say, there's food here you can eat. 
You know, that's what I feel. That's what I want to do. I want to let everyone know that they have a seat at this table. They're welcome here. And I want to pull up the chair for them. I want to set the table for them and let God then, you know, serve that meal, whatever it's going to be. Yeah, that's that's heavy. And that's I mean, I do feel like that's probably, um, you know, where a lot of Christians are at. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean, like, I'm not sure because we've we've also kind of been. I mean, there's discipleship. There are things beyond mm-hmm. just this, you know, like see at the table. But yeah. but that is the to me that's the quintessential part of of you know maybe being a pastor, but also just like living a life of faith, right? Like yeah. like I want I want the same thing. I want I want to connect people yeah. because I don't you know whatever whatever issues that are keeping them from that connection. Yeah, if it's shame or you know. Yeah. Acceptance or whatever, any of these things that we're, that we're talking about, whatever it is, um, I, I deal with those too. Yeah. And so I'm not yeah. like coming at anybody like, or you're not coming at anybody going like, well, I've figured this out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is why you should come to this church. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, it's not that at all. It's like, Hey, look, we're all, we're all in this. We're all at this table yeah. together. I, I think if I were to refine even just what I just said, it would be, you know, I feel That is the job of every Christian, you know, everyone who's a follower of Jesus is to set a table for whoever's there in their, you know, sphere of influence. My job, maybe more specifically as a pastor, is to help people to do that, Mm -hmm. teach them what I see as ways that can be, that can take place. Um, You know, and that's why there's a lot of, um, or has been for me, a lot of, you know, stepping back and re-examining how I've believed things and how I've done things. You know, there was a time when I would have, instead of like Jesus, you know, served breakfast and ate with Peter, I would have made him do a test and, you know, answer these questions and study these books and get all the information right to make sure he knew not to do that again. Instead of just, no, I'm going to sit down and have a meal with you and let you know your family and you belong here, you know? Um, and so I've had to reconstruct a lot of, you know, my faith, seeing things in that light, you know, seeing scripture different, seeing Jesus different and seeing it, I, I feel more accurately. Um, I don't, don't feel like I'm, you know, saying, ah, oh, away with scripture. I feel like I'm actually looking at it more clearly. Um, and so in doing that, I've, had to change how I present this message to people, even like we've been talking about it, that people are loved, people belong, people are accepted, that God is already sitting there waiting for them um, to come in, you know, or he's standing at the door knocking so that they will open the door and let him come in. You know, they don't have to do anything but give permission, right? That's all. Um, just give permission for God to work in your life because he already is there at the door. Yeah. You know, that, that's a whole different picture than what I used to present. Yeah. You know, and so I think though that that's at the part or at the heart of this belonging, um, you know, understanding that he longs to gather them as the hen gathers, you know, the chicks, he, he that's his desire for them. That's always been his desire for us. Um, 
I did put one point. It's important we don't overcome the temptation of belonging by despising others and cutting ourselves off from healthy relationships. Belonging is genuine. God-given need to desire to belong is good. Because sometimes we can despise people who don't see things our way. And that doesn't make us belong either. You know, that doesn't make us closer to Jesus by not liking other people who mm. we think are bad, you know? Yeah. Um, cause that just is pleasing our need to feel better. Yeah. I think we're weird people. Yeah. <laughs> people are weird, but there is that, uh, you know, um, the, that's a fantastic point because, you know, we've talked about this before, but even in our little community church here, there are, you know, there are people on both sides of every position, mm-hmm. you know, theological and yeah. uh, political, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, we're pretty diverse, you know, small community. And that can be, that can be troublesome or it can be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. You know, I, I love it. I, I love, I love it when I can disagree with somebody and still be family at the table. Right. Yeah. I, I love it when we can challenge each other in the way we think, in the way we, um, you know, approach a subject. And I, I love the, fact that I'm having to learn how to respect people who have differing views than mine, views that I might think are wrong, views that I might think are foolish, and to respect that person and their views before I answer, right? It's like, I need to see you. I need to hear you. I need to know you to know that I see and hear you, that I mm. respect you, and now we can talk, Yeah. right? I, I mean, those are things I've learned and I'm learning still. Um, but gosh, I can't imagine that, you know, Matthew and Simon, the zealot didn't have issues at the <laughs> dinner table. You know, I, I can't imagine that two of them didn't sit down and start, you know, sniping at each other with things, you know, and how they saw the world and stuff like that. I, I just, I bet those are conversations that were, you know, fun, um, fun because at the end of the day, they're here at the same table, Yeah, you know, and I think that's part of the story that we're trying to tell is, yeah, you can be on both sides and still be at the same table. Yeah. You know, you can't have a different view and still belong. And that, yeah, that, that's what belonging looks like. Exactly. Yeah. It definitely is family. Jason, I know you texted me and said that you got some stuff from the Yeah, and for me, like, just, again, being raised in the church and being part of very conservative churches where I felt like I wasn't accepted and even going through, I mean, my life. I mean, just what I've recently gone through, just through, you know, going through a divorce, you feel like you're not accepted. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, going in, never was accepted by the family knowing that it was true, but um, then just finding my kind of, I mean, may not be a church group, but finding my group of soccer fans, my group I'm part of, which <laughs> changed my life completely. My, the Empire Boys, 
it's like my family. I mean, I got, I got to go to the game this past Saturday, and I'll be honest, I just started getting teary-eyed when I walked in the stadium because it was like I was home. That's my home, and yeah. it was just emotionally good for me. Even being a punk rocker, I mean, being punk, being involved in the punk scene, when you're a punk rocker, you find, you go to your first punk show, I'll still never forget being 15-year-old kid on my first punk show, and like seeing other people who were different like me, but we were all cool with each other, it was just, you know, yeah. It helped me out a lot. You know, punk, punk music just helped me probably not to kill myself. Yeah. You know, I'm, there's people who have disagreed me with that and said it's made me a freak and made me weird and made me, you know, made me, the reason why I have my mental health issues. Punk music is what's caused me not to kill myself because you got a sense of belonging there. Yeah. It's That's sad powerful. That most churches I've been to, I never mm. accepted, you know. Yeah. Now that's powerful. I mean, that the fact that you can find those places, how how important that is for you to find, you know, whether it's in the soccer club, you know, or a punk scene or whatever. I know that uh, Bono said that the Ramones are how he got started, was hearing Joey Ramone, and, and they wrote that one song. I forget the name of it now. It's a dedication to Joey Ramone or something like that where he talks about, yeah, he heard punk rock and he says, there's a place for me. And that's how you two got started, yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, belonging is huge. And that's cool that you, you're finding that there. And of course we want you to find it here. And, and I think that's an important thing too, is belonging is something you should not just find at a church. Right. Right. <laughs> and unfortunately, I know that it's been presented in so many times, that's the only place you can find it, right? But it's not, you found it with the Empire Boys, right? People do find it, you know, that some, now it always varies, right? There's a certain belonging you find there, there's a certain belonging you might find at a church or a certain belonging you find at a family. Hopefully in all these areas, it's a healthy place. Um, but it's something that we need and you should be able to find it. And I think the key is you're saying you're finding it as who you are, you're not having to pretend mm -hmm. right yeah yeah exactly yeah it just it's it's been an emotional roller coaster most of my life the last two years has really been yeah and then like this year with covid it's just been like not being able to i mean it's been great coming like i mean one of the reasons why i come sunday mornings help set up is because i miss being around yeah our church and you know uh, when we had our first watch our big watch party together with the empire boys like two weeks ago it was like amazing, and you know, it, I mean, that has helped opened up the door for me to co-host a podcast. Uh, one of the ladies came up to me. I, I gave her like a shout out birthday for her on the podcast, and she came up to me. And she was crying. She, you have no idea what that meant to me. It's like now I'm able to do yeah that. It's like man, I'm able to, to like go every week on this podcast and talk football, you know, soccer, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. just and punk rock. And then my feature is talking about punk music yeah. on this podcast it's like it's a blast <laughs> you know and it's like it's cool i mean i'll be at games people will buy me drinks give me food i get recognized at starbucks it's, like, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool it's like you know i'm gonna have to hang with you man <laughs> drinks at starbucks man i'm gonna be your friend uh have you seen ted lasso oh yeah You've watched that? Okay. <laughs> so if you haven't, we're going to go binge that right now. Um, that It's so important. Um, 
that you have a place where you do feel accepted, where you feel that you belong, where you feel that who you are matters to someone else. You know, and I think it's important that we acknowledge to someone else and not just to God, mm-hmm. because um, you can still be very lonely um, if you just have God. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like that isn't a, a real thing and it isn't a powerful and important thing, um, but it's not good for man to be alone, you know, Um that's, yeah. that's a powerful statement that I think we need to recognize in something like this with belonging. It is powerful. I, I've always said that, you know, people, we've talked about this a million times. What is, what is God's will for me? And like, you know, if you're looking for specifics and you can talk to God about that, <laughs> but I do know that it's not God's will that you be lonely. Yeah. So wherever you are, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. Be encouraged with that. And, and, Find some place where you can be healthy with someone and not alone. I think that's important. You know, I, I ended kind of with uh, Jesus saying, Our Father. This is how we should pray, Our Father. And immediately with that, there is the sense of family. Um, you know, you belong to a family. And, and think of it, when he was saying that, pray in this way, he was teaching all of us how to do that. And so he's trying to make everyone see that they're a part of this family, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that is kingdom mentality. That is the desire for his will be done on earth as it is in heaven is to help people see that they are a part of God's family and help them to see and understand that too. And so what we need to do is again, set the table for them, help them know that they belong, not make them feel like they're there. It's them and us, right? saints and ain'ts, um, <laughs> those kinds of things where it's like, no, here's a table, here's a chair, you belong here. And it doesn't matter where you're at. You don't have to believe to belong. You, you can be here and you can join this family. And, um, I think that's important. Any final thoughts you have or, you know, what I think is powerful and I'm not a, like a big affirmations guy. I just, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not against them, but I'm, I, I feel silly sometimes. But I think maybe if you watch this, if you're here tonight or whatever it might be, look in a mirror and tell yourself that you are God's beloved. Hmm. And just let that sink in. Because I think we don't realize that. Hmm. As much as we might say it or hear it, confess it. Cause I think that might be powerful. Hmm. Very good. Very good. A good final note. I didn't see any messages online, so I should have said at the beginning, if you have any questions, but those of you who are out there, thank you for being there. Those who you who will watch later. Um, if you have any questions, you can always email us at info at the and we will get back to you. Um, Someone gets that email. We'll figure it out. Um, But we will get back to you. And again, uh, you guys belong. You're loved. And we love you. And uh, let's set a table for one another. Help other people know they're welcome and they belong. God bless. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate you being here, man. All right, guys. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. 
we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.